Human family, thank you for tuning in. I'm Keenan White, and I'll be sharing stories, dialogues, and methodologies for leading a conscious, abundant life. To me, luminous is a word that connects us to our vital life force energy and soul essence. Your bioluminosity is a barometer for health, a gauge for abundance, true prosperity, and a luminous way of life. In this podcast, I hope you find a more effortless way of tuning into the wisdom of your body, soul, and spirit. We'll explore the many faces of medicine, creativity, and self-mastery as it evolves and spans into esoteric and ancient wisdom and modern paradigm shifts in consciousness. Welcome everybody to another episode of Luminous Possibilities. I'm here with Matt Sadowski. What's up, Matt? Hey, Keenan. How's it going, buddy? Good. It's great to have you on today. I'm excited to have this chat. You're you're a man full of wisdom, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time sharing that. Getting to oh, hear yeah. from, from you. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, thank you, thank you for having me. Really, just you know, overly uh, just honored. Um, you know, to be on this podcast with you know, I know so many like minded conscious listeners out there, and you know, just and just really excited to kind of you know dive into some some areas that typically aren't talked about um that are but are also very common so yeah I'll give it back over to you Keenan, and delighted to be your guest thank you brother all right well i just want to say a few words about matt and uh introduce him a little bit he is the founder of an ibogaine healing center a clinical and spiritual approach to ibogaine treatment offers a rare opportunity to effective and lasting substance detox even those who have struggled with addiction most of their life can benefit from this center. Madden's strategic partners have mastered the craft of administering ibogaine safely, medically, and the practices, tools, and environment to truly reconnect with yourself. Matt is a recovery and wellness expert, and today we're going to discuss the healing powers of ibogaine. This is an indole alkaloid with natria occurring psychoactive elements that are some of the most powerful found in nature. We're going to discuss Matt's journey and what led him to this powerful plant medicine and its notoriety of facilitating lasting sobriety by addressing core level issues, traumas, and unmet needs that have initiated patterns of addiction, distraction, or numbing as opposed to Western detox treatment facilities that focus primarily on the physical detoxification of substances. Just knowing Matt personally, I can say this man is uh, paving the way for an innovative future in treating addiction. Matt, what brought you to this world? What is? How would you like to start off in, in terms of bringing us into a greater context of, of why you're here and, and creating this center? Yeah, you know, it's... Um... You know, I, I joined the party uh, back in 1984. It was a great day. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and really what kind of, you know, brought me, brought me to this, you know, plant medicine work was, you know, just as a, you know, um, young child growing up in, you know, Eastern United States of America, 
Um, you know, we had all the shiny, nice things on the outside, you know, plenty of money, you know, nice, stable home. And, you know, but when when we got down to it, you know, love was was pretty scarce or was connected to some type of agreement or some type of manipulation. You know, and then when, you know, you couple on there, you know, depression and anxiety and PTSD and ADD and all of these, you know, labels that equate to one thing being trauma you know, trauma in the body that's leading to emotional dysregulation. And, you know, and, and that occurred. And, you know, I remember in, in early adolescence or, or actually mid-adolescence where, you know, I ended up getting a kidney stone, you know, and that was my really first introduction to painkillers, uh, painkillers and pain makers, because opiates do both, um, you know, and it's, uh, that was my first introduction. I said, wow, like, I actually, I feel at peace. I feel calm in my body. You know, I, I can, I feel like I'm at home now. I, I hope I can do this all the time. Obviously <laughs> how things, you know, worked out, you know, uh, you know, but that really kind of triggered that um, awareness of like, okay, my normal baseline of how I'm feeling, that's not a regular emotional baseline. And it's literally me kind of using these substances to create new emotional baselines to give me a point of contrast to where I've been at, to where I can go. Um, you know, and, and my thinking, you know, wasn't on that plane, obviously, at that age, you know, my thinking was more along the lines of, we're just trying to feel better, we're trying to feel better, we're trying to belong, we're trying to have some friends, you know, and, and smoke some pot on Friday night at the football game, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> basic, you know, basic, yeah, basic adolescence. And, and it's, it's, you know, really normal, typical, you know, high school type of behavior, you know, for kids experimenting with substances and experimenting with their bodies, you know, and, and that's part of the deal. Um, you know, and there's, you know, another thing that really, you know, compounded uh, my trauma was, you know, sexual abuse, you know, that that wasn't talked about made the most impact. Because, you know, from my understanding of, of being a person that that has gone to the other side, has gone to the other side of actually um, has acceptance and forgiveness, you know, for the things that have happened, has been able to look at them as, um, areas that have really created a lot of capacity and understanding for where other people are at and how to meet them there. Yeah, beautiful. It's it's an interesting thing how we end up, you know, down a pathway in particular that we we just don't really think about. We're we're just kind of going with the flow of the cultural norm and and what's socially acceptable. And then, you know, I remember waking up for myself one day thinking, wow, you know, I'm I'm practically an alcoholic. <laughs> Given that, you know, I just spent four years in a university setting and there's been all this partying and then there's a real chemical imbalance that was created there that I, that I had to deal with that uh, that became real. And then I started looking at ways in which the feeling that I was avoiding and also the feeling that I was craving to create mm -hmm. were actually perpetuating this this pattern of going the back cycle, to the party. cycle so, of illusion, the cycle yes. of illusion. <laughs> Yeah, and not to the fault of myself or other people who may be who may find themselves in that place because it's just a pattern playing out, and mm -hmm. it's not actually our identity at the core level. Uh, but you know, I think what you're raising is some important. Well, it's bringing up some important points about mental health in general, mm -hmm. and 
in today's world, there's a lot of options regarding that mental health. You know, a lot of them in the allopathic medicine um, format that we have available to us now are leading us towards antidepressants and um, mm -hmm. sort of a Band-Aid fix on a, on a very physical uh, biochemical sort of mm -hmm. mechanical sort of reductionist thinking in terms of the the being the person and yeah. I, i've always appreciated it as i know you have this wider context of spirit and soul and uh you know considering the impact of the emotional body which to me is really this you know medium to our soul and the, the feelings that we have uh are indicating and communicating our soul is communicating through those feelings um, and it's just such an important piece. So I, I just, I wonder how you're reconsidering mental health in this wider holistic picture in ways that are needed today. Yeah. You know, I mean, great, great question, Keenan. And, you know, for, for mental health, it's, you know, first and foremost, it's my responsibility. You know, my mental health is my responsibility for me to be able to maintain that. Um, you know, I've, I've done you know, the, the merry-go-round of medications. And don't get me wrong, where people are at at specific times in their lives, they can be super supportive mm -hmm. and allow people to get to a baseline where things are manageable, um, you know, and, and that's fantastic. Functional um, is great a lot yeah, of times. Yeah, it's, it's great, you know, and, and I leverage medications myself early on to get to that functional place, you know, but then what happened over time is, is I'm on these medications for so long. And when I started them, my life was in really disarray. It wasn't well, you know, um, just older, uh, utterly dysregulated, um, you know, and these medicines, you know, they gave me that support, you know, coupled with therapy and things like that. But then I got to a place of like, well, I, I don't, I don't feel the need for these anymore, you know, and, and, you know, and one of those medications, you know, was, was methadone, you know, and, um, you know, it's a very powerful, you know, uh, opiate. Uh, very long acting opiate used for, you know, people that have suffered with, you know, opiate use disorder, you know, and I was on this for, you know, a number of years and I would, you know, expressed, you know, to the doctor, you know, how can I get off of this? Is, is there a way to get off of this? Cause the withdrawals are awful. Like they're terrible. I would not wish it on, on my worst enemy, you know? And, um, you know, and I had this discussion with the, with the, um, um, doctor, you know, and there, there wasn't a really clear path for him. He said, well, you know, we can taper you down, we can get you lower on the dose and, you know, eventually try to get you off. And, but then, you know, the more I read about it, I was like, well, there seems to be quite a bit of depression and anxiety, you know, involved in this detox process. And I think I might end up, you know, worse than before, you know, mm -hmm. and, 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 and so lo and behold, you know, I'm going through tapering down, attempting to get off it. I, you know, I start to crave more opiates because my body's in withdrawal. You know, it's used to that same amount, you know, and, and what happened was I ended up relapsing. I ended up relapsing, you know, in my early 20s and I ended up um, getting incarcerated, you know, and, and was put into quite a predicament because this is the first time I discovered that jails, at least in my state, did not give out methadone. <laughs> right. A little <laughs> bit of a predicament for you. 
Yeah, the only way you could get methadone is is if you were a, a pregnant woman, which I could not be because that's wasn't the body this time. So, um, <laughs> but but I remember, you know, going into that jail cell um, and having the most extreme, excruciating detox of my life, of of feeling like literally every bone in my body was on fire. Every cell was screaming for some sort of relief and there was nothing that they could do. The only thing that could help me was time. But really, it, like that was it. It was, uh, it, it was an unbelievable situation, you know, and, and, you know, and eventually I got out of that, you know, I got out of jail and, and what happened was, you know, we're still on the same medications, you know, that's, that's what they want. So great. We'll take the medications outside of jail. We're not on methadone anymore. Now we're on some antidepressants, some anti-anxiety meds to, to deal with the post-acute withdrawal effects, you know, that are, that are going on. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And lost my train of thought, Keenan. Yeah. It seems like, well, the, the thread that I'm picking up on is this, <laughs> you know, common theme of, Hey, you got this problem. Here's a, here, this, here's this substance. Exactly. And then there's this, one-way street that leads you where right i mean is there a pathway out of that no into it's, a more cyclical it feels like you know, the same loop you know it feels like the same loop and, and it's and it's very confusing i remember you know this one time i had a discussion with a doctor you know he had me on Subox, and i said um i didn't come to uh rehab to get told that the drugs i were doing are bad and your drugs are good you know, and he's like, I want to give you this drug to help you detox, you know, and I'm like, all right. So I was like, well, I'll try it. I'll try it for a couple of days, see how it goes. So I went back in a couple of days. I said, hey, doc, I said something really crazy happened. He said, what's that? I said, you know what? I took your drug and I tried to tell my body that it was a good drug and it didn't know the difference. So I can't take that anymore. And that was it what was his response and what, where did you go from that point? What was your you new know, choice? You know, his, his response was, are you sure, you know, that this, this Suboxone saves lives, you know, which I think, you know, has some truth to it. I mean, that fentanyl, the opiate epidemic, it is very real. Um, and it is very close to home. Um, you know, and, and my heart goes out to, you know, every single person that has been affected by it, that has lost a loved one. Um, you know, um, and but yeah, there, yeah. Well, not to stir up too too much of the pain, but I think it's important for uh, highlighting some of that for the people that may be listening on this episode and, and recognizing, hey, you know, I'm I know somebody or I am that person who's in that. Uh, maybe you can speak a little bit to that point where it feels like there's a, a sense of enclosure, or you know, like I'm trapped. I don't have options, and how to navigate from that place. Cause I think, you know, given the situation today, it seems that that's, that could be a common scenario. Oh, the, no, it's a, it's a very common scenario. Um, you know, and you know, my best advice for people is to advocate for themselves, advocate for what you want, advocate for what feels right for you. Really you use your voice, you know, not in a condescending, angry demeanor, but use your voice to ask for what you want, you know, and, and the universe might provide it. Um, and if it doesn't ask again, <laughs> <laughs> keep showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Amazing. Well, so 
in terms of the the place that you found yourself in that was a little bit of a a corner right mm-hmm. I, if if we can say hey i'm cornered in at this moment um you know what what were your resources uh your choices where did you go from there and how did you f- eventually find a solution that actually served you yeah yeah you know from yeah. from that place you know, it, it, it brought me to, um, a psychedelic called ketamine, you know, where, you know, we, I, I was able to use ketamine, um, and it was, it helped immensely, you know, you know, in conjunction with therapy of, you know, PTSD underlying, you know, trauma and, you know, just dysregulation of, of my overall nervous system, um, you know, and, and, you know, and then, and then eventually ketamine, I, I kind of got to a place where it's like, okay, like what's next, you know, and, and, and because mm-hmm. it was, it was lonely for me, it was still very isolating. Like you sit in this room, you know, it's very dissociative, very internal, you know, and you have this experience, but you're not really connecting with other humans, you know, and it's still very much, you know, in a medical setting, you know, and, and that helped me. But I remember, you know, one specific night, you know, I was standing in my, my backyard and, uh, you know, I'd taken a hit of LSD and, uh, you know, I was talking to, to my medium that had passed away, you know, a few years back. And I was like, Johnny, I was like, Johnny, I said, all I want, all I want is like a cool community to belong to and, and to do psychedelics with, you know, I, I, I threw it out there, you know, that's where we met. Yeah, that, that's exactly. Yeah, that's exactly, you know, where and, and then three weeks later, I was there. I was there at, uh, at at my first journey. And that's when I want to say I met you like February of what, 18? Yes. Yeah. In a very playful place, because the, yeah. the idea is to come back into that childhood innocence and return to the play, the, the child look like innocence of our, you know, our core nature. Uh, so it was, it was funny, La- laughable makes me laugh thinking about the uh, the setting we were in. But it's been a journey, and I've seen I've seen a lot of transformation within myself and a lot within you. And I I personally attribute that to the not the particular substances and, and psychedelics that we were partaking in, but the the community itself and the relationships as the medicine. And I think it's an essential distinction that um, you know we both resonate with and it probably speaks to the elements of the ketamine treatment where i mean whether you're doing ketamine or you're going off into the jungle of peru and you come back with this experience and you know you've you've been able to to journey into some depths of you know your your own consciousness into the the cosmos into uh, whatever it is that experience is yours and to integrate that is a process to bring that into the world is an additional layer to work to work and move through and the power i think of being in a communal setting which is what you're you're creating now is this this piece of connecting to people right in that in that moment to be able to share the experiences and bring in the integration from the beginning so -hmm. that by the time the the treatment or you know the experience is is over the, the integration is is actually well underway and it's a very big difference um from from what i have experienced in, in terms of knowing each experience, whether whether that's intact or not. Um, is there anything that you may speak to in, in terms of the integrative process and, and how you look at that now? Yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, integration for for me is, um, 
you know, that that's where that's where I can put money in the bank, so to speak. You know, that, <laughs> you know, like that that that's where I actually get to be empowered and have awareness and choice over new tools that might have been presented and make a decision if I want to apply that tool to my life, how I want to use it, you know, and so on and so forth. And and you know, but but I mean that that's the for me the the core of of journey work you know being able to take it back to to your life and use it to create an impact for yourself for others um you know and, and don't get me wrong i mean there's there's tons of, of awareness and learning and recreation too for sure you know leveraging absolutely psychology. absolutely yeah yeah, but I, but you know, to to your point, Keenan, it 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 was a, a much different experience when you you have a community where they create a container that gives permission for every human within that container to actually feel what quantifies as the human experience, and to have trained professionals there to guide them through whatever might be coming up. Yeah, and I think I mean what what I feel into it that you know with that said is the the power of that nervous system to be able to reset in, in a powerful way and if there's any uh measurement perhaps of our integration i think it is that the you know the nervous system being able to reflect where we're at right it's always showing us you know how regulated we are uh so to be able to have just the the professional support guidance and then you know the peer uh, component to that, plus the the powerful uh, methodology on a you know a, a holistic view of a person, mm -hmm. um, plus the substances that are having their own biochemical um, impacts. It's going to be a, a pretty powerful experience, mm -hmm. particularly for people who are feeling pretty lost. Um, so what else goes into your the picture of of facilitation if if you know as you bring people into the center how do you view your role as a facilitator or organizer yeah uh, of of the the experience for people yeah i mean for, first and foremost you know my my main responsibility is everyone's safety um you know making sure that you know that i have a clear understanding of of any medications that they might have been taking prior you know making sure that you know they have a a clean ekg making sure that lab work comes back well you know making sure that we've gone over um you know uh, essentially uh, a root contract um you know because uh, ibogaine and, and aboga it's it's a you know, interesting substance where it's one of the few psychedelics where it can give the person the option to leave their body permanently, um, where they'll no longer be living on this plane. And that's where it's very important to have a root contract to discuss with the client and a loved one and myself um, that this might come up. And if it does, we are not giving permission to complete this process now. This is something you feel that you need to do. You are to do it on your own terms, um, and and really that's that's how we phrase it because we have to keep everybody safe, um, you know, first and foremost, and and comfortable, and because we have to create that container um, to allow people to be vulnerable, um, so we can have discussions and and look at some of the underlying issues 
that created the need to leverage substances to create emotional regulation on a regular basis. And in that process, you know, it, it might be uncomfortable. It probably will be uncomfortable. But the one thing that I've learned the most through my recovery is that it takes a willingness to be uncomfortable to grow. You know, I, I, I think of the, the seed that is buried in the darkness in the ground. It's got to be rather uncomfortable of what is pulling me up? Where am I going? You're in the dark. And then one day there's the light. And it's mm -hmm. just, you know, and, and you totally forget that you were ever in the dirt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a little encouragement to lean into the discomfort. I mean, that, that is the edge, right? Yeah. Of our, of our growth. Yeah. 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 And it's not, I mean, it's like, sometimes I speak to in terms of, uh, you know, coaching it's, it's not exactly that it's a desired experience the the process itself, but because it can be very uncomfortable, very intimate, very vulnerable. And, and then, and, and, you know what the outcome is it's it's uh i don't i don't think there's been many moments where i've had a powerful transformational experience and then you know felt like oh well you know i would i wouldn't want to go through that discomfort again to get to where i am now right i mean it's kind of a no-brainer it's like of course i would you know yeah because sometimes we, well we just can't see maybe where you know where what the other side looks like with our current perspective our current perception of reality and um I would imagine that's part of the the intake as well as helping people understand that there is going to be some identity that you're holding now that's going to uh, deconstruct in order for this new one to come online and, and into place that is going to have you feeling more agency, um, feeling more empowered, more connected to your heart and and choice um, and and your will to to create the life that you want to create to to embody more of of that um which you are at your core level <laughs> which is likely why you're you may not be um you know you might be where you are in that addiction is that you know um if you feel like you have to fit in to be someone else or that this is who you are if you identify with the emotion or the thought then uh it can be very painful um, yeah so i i just want to touch a little bit back on to the the the, the options people have because it just feels like we could shed a little bit of light i would love to hear your perspective on um how you see this picture of when somebody wants to go into this or if they're feeling stuck or like hey you know i've, I've tried everything and this seems like a pretty good choice before we even get to that place, I, I just, I want to bring a little bit of more dialogue or focus into those substances that, that people do have options with. Uh, it just feels important. I, we, we mentioned ketamine and, you know, we've explored a little bit of that one. Yeah. There's probably other antidepressant options for people. Uh, yeah. I mean, when you start to look at the spread of options that people have, what, what do you what do you consider? What do you look at? And, and um, you know, how does one navigate that space effectively or, or mindfully? In, in, in terms of, of just different psychedelics, of different notes of the orchestra, of kind of the application? <laughs> yeah, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, you know, like, if I'm somebody who's really struggling and like, why would I, why would I ever choose Ibogaine? 
when I have all these other options, sure, you know, I'm, I might go and try all those first before I come to you. And I'm, I'm trying to get into the thinking of, you know, what would support a person to choose one way or the other? Yeah. You know, well, I, I think, well, a lot of discussions, um, you know, that I have, people have typically gone down the path of trying, you know, different, you know, therapies and pharmaceutical therapies and, and, and then we, you know, we get to, to finally to Ibogaine, um, you know, and, you know, for, for me personally, you know, why I would choose Ibogaine um, is it's, it's the truth. Um, it, it, it tells you the truth about who you are in, in a very simple way. Um, I think as, as humans, we find a lot of comfort and complexity in making, you know, very simple things, very complex, um, you know, and, and that's why within, you know, Ibogaine and Iboga, um, we have, you know, every participant write down questions that they're looking to answer. And, and we go over those questions, you know, and we wait for the intuition to speak the answer, um, you know, and, and the main thing that Ibogaine and Iboga do is, is they help to take us out of our mind um, and actually into the present um, where there's no distraction, um, where we where we actually have the capability to enjoy life for the to the fullest. Um, you know, one of the truths that that you know Aboga has taught me, you know, everything that we have begins and comes from nature. You know, to to abuse nature is to abuse ourselves. I would never do that to the person I've created today. Um, and it's uh, you know just really. Um, you know, very simple principles, you know, and these traditions come from the Bawidi, you know, out of uh, Gabon, Africa, where, you know, Aboga, you know, was was originally discovered, um, where they just believe that uh, they have one prayer. And that one prayer is, thank you, creator, for another day of life. That's it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that funny paradox where we we uh we can try as hard as we might to find our our enlightenment or wholeness and and at the same time we we are already that mm -hmm. um and i just feel the the simplicity of how how powerful gratitude can go and can take us so it's, it's awesome um i wonder if you might share a little bit more of the history there like how did you know is there anything yeah of kind of the, you... the the discovery you know yes yeah 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 you know uh, uh so aboga is is a shrub that um originates from gabon africa it was originally discovered um by the pygmies um you know and they they were medicine carriers of it for for thousands of years and you know as as the story goes that you know there was um you know a, a young um you know pygmy that was you know drinking palm wine all day you know out checking his traps for food to bring back to his wife to make dinner, you know, and it's, you know, getting, he's checking all the traps. He's, you know, getting pretty drunk and, you know, and, and he keeps going around and eventually he gets to the, the, you know, one of the last traps and he sees, you know, this porcupine in this trap. So, you know, brings the porcupine home to his wife and the, you know, the, the wife starts preparing it for dinner, gets it ready for dinner and, you know, it's cooked and ready. And um, here, um, 
here the, the husband, you know, is passed out, uh, you know, and the wife is hungry. So she's like, great, I'm going to, you know, dig in. And, and uh, you know, shortly after she starts having the psychedelic experience, um, you know, and, and keep in mind, I mean, in a pygmy village, this is huge news, like nothing happens. You know, everything is just very kind of predictable day to day, you know, and, and so the morning comes and, and she wakes up and, you know, she tells her husband what happened and he's concerned. He's like, does my wife lost her mind? Is she okay? And, you know, so they, they get the whole tribe together. They get the chief there, the chief's wife, everybody's gathered around and they're talking and they finally, they trace back to where he got this porcupine and they look down at this aboga shrub and they can see where this porcupine was eating the root bark off of it and it had ingested it. So they go ahead and, and they take a whole bunch of root bark back, you know, and, you know, the chief has it, has, you know, all the men there, you know, he, you know, asks, he goes, is anybody going to volunteer to take this? They're all like, I, I, nope, I don't want to do that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know I like, turn it down also. <laughs> are you crazy? Mm. You know? Mm. Uh, you some know? straws here. Yeah, you know? Mm. Yeah, pretty, well, no. And then, so he goes to all the women. <laughs> And, and all the women, you know, they're like, I don't want to do that. And finally, the chief's wife, she's like, I'll do it. You know, so so she went and and started to work with it, you know, and, and over time, these like a boga, actually, like these traditions is what it's taught them. You know, it's the, the a boga actually taught the Bawidi, showed them how to make the music that we play during ceremony. And it's very interesting. The music is actually meant to mimic the sounds of nature, to bring us back to ourselves and to also distract the mind and, and allow the medicine to work on the mind, body and spirit. Um, it, 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 it just it for me, it's it's the most intelligent medicine that I've worked with um, in, in the sense where, you know, I've had experiences where it would zero in on specific parts of my body you know, and spend more time working on it, healing, alleviating things. Um, um, so that's, so that's the, the story of kind of the discovery of, of a boga. The pygmies held on to it for, for thousands of years till they finally um, um, gave it to the Bawidi tribe in uh, Gabon, Africa. So, and, and, you know, um, I'm hoping to, to travel to Gabon um, in uh, July of this year. So that's, that's the goal. Nice. I'm sure you have some, uh, some interesting stories and experiences to bring back from that one. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So is there anything else that you feel impelled to mention about Ibogo itself and people wrapping their heads around and their minds, their hearts, you know, just getting a sense for what this is all about. Yeah, you know, for, for a boga, you know, I would say that um, you can't really compare it to another psychedelic. Um, it's kind of, uh, you know, um, one of its own. Um, you know, if it calls to you, I encourage you, go follow it. Um, you know, go, go listen to it. Um, you know, it's a, you know, very powerful um, medicine, um, you know, that has the ability to interrupt addictions. It's not going to cure you of an addiction, but it will interrupt it to the place where you can get a solid aftercare plan in place and a support system, 
And um, so long as you don't reintroduce that substance to your body, you have a really good chance of making it. Um, and in in the terms of you know uh, addiction treatment, where the current status quo in the United States, if you're an opiate addict, they want to put you on maintenance therapy, um, where they put you on Suboxone. That's 50 times more addicting than morphine. Um, and they wow. don't tell people this, um, you know, and, and the withdrawal is very long. Sometimes, you know, um, you're going through post-acute withdrawal, depression, anxiety for sometimes six months to a year, um, you know, and, and that's where, you know, Ibogaine in Ebola can really shine is it helps people skip over that part. Um, you know, and then we also have some other tools that we use in-house as well to help boost mood that, that are all natural, um, you know, so. Uh, beautifully said. And I wonder if you feel inclined or willing to speak to the, the, um, the, the primary action that it has that might help you know, you, me, and, and others reshape our understanding of, of medicine and, and what real medicinal properties and values are. Mm -hmm. So to yeah. you, what is, what is it doing? Uh, how is it actually, you know, supporting you? Mm -hmm. and I know you spoke a little bit to this already about uh, the simplicity of, of being able to you know, be where you are and then ask a question into, you know, what question you may have to be able to receive the answer. I, I see that as part of it. Um, but for the, maybe the, <laughs> the scientifically skeptical mind, I'd be curious what you'd say. Of, of how, like how, what systems Boga is impacting? Uh, yeah, like um, how does a Boga... How does it work? Yeah, great. So great, great question. You know, so, so, you know, a, a boga, um, you know, how does it work? Well, first of all, it's, it's ingested orally. Um, you know, we'll take it either, you know, root bark or capsule. Um, you know, when it, when you ingest it, um, it, it puts your body into a state of ataxia. And what ataxia is, you lose some of your motor function. So it essentially feels like it's suspending your systems, your typical systems that are running, um, you know, your nervous system kind of taking over and putting you in, in a different state of awareness. So you're, you'll be laying there and we'll have an eye mask on um, and we'll, that'll allow you to go, you know, deeper within yourself. Um, and, and, you know, and during that, you know, it's working on your brain. Um, it's helping to actually reset your, your opiate, your mu receptors, um, you know, back to you've been, you know, as you've never used opiates, um, you know, and that's why, you know, I want to mention this, it's always very important um, to make sure that people have a very stable aftercare plan, because there have been instances not with our facility, but with others, where people go home, and they aren't aware that um, they have reset all of their receptor sites in their brain, and they go to take their normal dosage, and then they overdose. Um, so, um, always, you know, keep mm. that in mind. Um, uh, Very important information yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, for, for, for sure. Um, you that's know, a very powerful component to be able to reset the set, the receptor as if there was no addiction. I mean, it seems like that is the key, one of yeah. the key points. 
Oh yeah. No, it, it's, it, it's yeah. really key. And, and, you know, and I've seen it work, you know, personally in my life, you know, I had times where you would definitely call my drinking alcoholic, you know, and, and, and now after, you know, sitting with, you know, a boga, um, you know, quite a few times, um, it just alcohol does not interest me, um, you know, and, and, and alcohol, it's actually, it's interesting that, that for me, I, I understand it as an opener, and what I mean by opener, when you ingest alcohol, it's going to open you up to whatever spirit is around you, hence it's called spirits, to go ahead and jump in your being and do what it would like, uh, and lowering your inhibitions, um, you know, and, and for me, it's just been so freeing to be at social functions and to not feel like I need to do that to fit in, even, I, even though I don't want to, you know, and, and to just be um, comfortable with it and being able to enjoy life. Um, so yeah. That's some very root level transformation. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. To come, to come back into that deep sense of wholeness. Um, beautiful. Um, feeling into anything else we might want to cover today. We, we spoke into elements of mental health and the, the current system. Uh, some of the changes that are happening in this world of recovery and wellness. Um, and I think we painted a pretty good picture of what options people may run into is available to them and why they might choose this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there you know, anything yeah. else you'd like to mention? Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, really I'd like to mention that, you know, when, when it comes to, you know, talking with people that have been through trauma, you know, that's my joy. Um, you know, I, I love to hear everybody's story, um, you know, because that that allows me to find some more grace somewhere else um, and, and allow people to give them permission that they don't have to be stuck there anymore, you know, and, and they can really move forward um, and, and have a good life, um, you know, and, and, you know, and I want to encourage people if, you know, you're currently in addiction right now and, you know, you want to look at you know, something different, I'd love to chat with you. You know, I'd just love to have a discussion and, and to get an understanding of, of how you got where you are now um, to see how we might be able to shift that. Amazing. Well, thank you, Matt. It's been a pleasure having you on today. And uh, it's been, you know, um, insightful for me too, just given that this has not been a familiar world for me and, it, and uh, you've been diving in and I am yeah just really happy to see that this is available for people mm -hmm. and that it's um available in, in the hands of somebody who who understands and has the experience to to meet people where they're at with a compassionate heart and um that's great <laughs> Yeah. No, thank thank you for, for having me, Keenan. It's uh it's yeah. been an honor. And uh yeah. Likewise. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks again. And and um if people want to reach out to you or get in touch with the center, I'll leave a link in there. Anything you want to mention about contacting you? Yeah, I mean, if if people want to reach out to me, I mean, you know, my, my number's right on the website. There's also, you know, a contact us form um there and or you know you can shoot me an email at matt at ibogain.io all right awesome thanks matt
Yeah, buddy. Thank you.